Welcome to our weekly prayers on this Sunday the 14th of June, which is the first Sunday after Trinity. Let us pray. God, remove all bitterness from my heart and give me the strength and courage to face any disaster that comes my way. Amen. Psalm 100 O be joyful in the Lord all the earth, 
serve the Lord with gladness, and come before his presence with a song. Know that the Lord is God, it is he that has made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and bless his name. For the Lord is gracious, his steadfast love is everlasting, and his faithfulness endures from generation to generation. A reading from Romans chapter 5. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for the lives of great saints and prophets in the past who have revealed to us that we can stand up amid the problems and difficulties and trials of life and not give in. We thank you for our four parents who have given us something in the midst of the darkness of exploitation and oppression to keep going. Grant that we will go on with the proper faith and the proper determination of will so that we will be able to make a creative contribution to this world. In the name of Jesus and the Spirit of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our reading from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanian and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, 
give without payment. This is the word of the Lord. Compassion or condemnation on crowds. A talk for the first Sunday after Trinity. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We've done without crowds for a season, but it couldn't last too long. For we are made to gather, we're born to crowd. We can exist in tiny bubbles for a while, but we have this inbuilt need to also come together in larger groups. It's part of who we are as people. Many of us have missed being in friendly crowds, family gatherings, village occasions, big shopping trips, coming together with hundreds of fellow followers of sports teams or concert hall and theatre audiences. Our children are aching and longing now for playtime with their school friends. There's an energy in a crowd which can lift you. We sense that when we consider how odd it will feel to those footballers playing out their remaining matches in empty stadiums. But sometimes that can feel like a negative energy. Not everyone is comfortable in crowds. If you've lived in the country all your life or chosen to escape the city to be here, you may be one of those for whom a crowd brings anxiety, fear even. I'm guessing that not many have missed having to squeeze onto overcrowded trains commuting to work these past weeks. There's nothing more exhilarating than giving yourself over to the passion of a crowd which is celebrating like when crushing together on a pavement on a royal occasion but there's nothing more frightening feeling out of control in a crowd whose mood has turned sour, aggression at a football match, anger at a protest march. Crowds can get a bad press, and we who are distanced from them can all too easily condemn, particularly in this time of the coronavirus, the behaviour of people on bank holiday beaches, the fear of contagion spreading through Black Lives Matter rallies, the madness of massive IKEA queues. There's no Appleby horse fur this year, but if there had been, those crowds would be widely criticised too. It's part of the annual ritual, and it illustrates the observation that if it's not our crowd, then we probably won't like it. I don't think Jesus was that keen on crowds. Being a country boy from out in the sticks, there's plenty of times in the Gospels where we see him retreating from his vast audiences away into the hills or across to the other side of the lake. Perhaps he was anxious to avoid creating a Jesus crowd, one which followed him to the exclusion of all others, like a devoted Yorkshire cricket club crowd follows their team to the exclusion of all Lancastrians. But nevertheless, Jesus didn't avoid crowds and he let them gather to him when he preached, proclaimed and healed. Maybe Jesus understood how crowds behave as one and how that unified behaviour can exclude or scapegoat those from other crowds. But also that within each crowd there are individual people with stories to tell, 
stories about things in their lives which led them to crowd together with others with whom they share common ground, common purpose. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In Jesus' eyes, the crowds needed caring for. He saw that their well-being, their physical and spiritual health was not being tended to. Vulnerable individuals, each member of the crowd was searching for help and a model to follow, a vision to seek. It's easy to condemn a Black Lives Matter protest if we distance ourselves from the stories. But compassion might come if we listen to stories like that of Anthony Bryan, the 62-year-old who left Jamaica as an eight-year-old to join his mother who was working as a seamstress in London and stayed, attending school, working as a painter and decorator and a taxpayer, helping to bring up his children and seven grandchildren, who was suddenly confronted by the government's hostile environment policy in 2015, when the Home Office tried to remove him from the country, a humiliating, painful process which cost him his job, his home, and came at great emotional cost. Compassion might come if we listen. Maybe also a sense of injustice which we feel compelled to act on. Jesus decided to go about tending the needs of the crowds by sending his friends and followers into the towns and villages to work for him, giving them authority to heal diseases both physical and spiritual. He told them to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near, and he said that they'd be doing it for nothing. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, he said. Give without payment. This Jesus crowd was a group of people who were to stick together and follow his mission to tend to the needs of the other crowds, to bring healing to them. Whatever this Jesus crowd did would help the other crowds to see and feel and know the goodness of God at work among them. This Jesus crowd was a good crowd, one which embraced all people, which people would appreciate having around. We all take part in crowds. We all belong to them, families or church or social groups. From time to time, we all take part in crowds who flock to town to shop or be entertained, maybe even to protest, seeking change. For all crowds are driven to seek better. Like sheep without a shepherd, we're all looking for safety, security and comfort. We all want stability, good health and food on the table. We seek belonging together. We are the crowds. So today and every day, let's keep the crowds in our prayers. All of them, particularly those crowds which trouble us. And as members of the Jesus crowd, let's open our eyes and ears and hearts to these others, seeking the same compassion that Jesus had for the people in the crowds he saw. Let us pray. Let us spend a moment considering the crowds to which we belong 
family, village, community crowds, those groups which we have not been able to meet with for some time perhaps and are missing. Let us give thanks for the life of these crowds which enrich in our lives. We give thanks that we belong to what may be called the Jesus crowd, the worldwide church. We pray for the church across the world today, particularly in those parts of the world where it is hard to be a follower of Christ, in nations which are troubled and ill at ease. And we recall that within each crowd there are individuals, each with needs, each seeking help, hope, security, love. We pray for those close to us who we're conscious of, who are in need of all those things today. From our prayer list, we pray for John and Sylvia, Harrop, Jane Lodge, Ken, Rathall and Peter Reed. I remember those who have died and their families, particularly Jerry Preston and Joella Shaw. For others who are on our hearts today. And in our wider world, we pray for all those members of crowds which are gathering in these challenging times, gathering to protest for a better treatment of black people those protesting for better treatment of women and pro-democracy demonstrators in various parts of the world. Others whose protests may at times trouble us, but whose stories, individual stories, might move us to compassion. A moment of quiet for the prayers of our hearts. God, we thank you for the inspiration of Jesus. Grant that we will love you with all our hearts, souls and minds and love our neighbours as we love ourselves, even our enemy neighbours. And we ask you, God, in these days of emotional tension, when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, to be with us in our going out and our coming in, in our rising up and in our lying down, in our moments of joy and in our moments of sorrow, until the day when there shall be no sunset and no dawn. Amen. And a closing prayer and blessing. We thank you for your church, founded upon your word, that challenges us to do more than sing and pray, but go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depended on us and not upon you. Help us to realise that humanity was created to shine like the stars and live on through all eternity. Keep us, we pray, in perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together and live together until that day when all God's children, black, white, red, brown and yellow, 
we rejoice in one common band of humanity in the reign of our Lord and of our God, we pray. Help us to keep your law of love and walk in ways of wisdom that we may find true life in Jesus Christ, your Son, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Yeah.
I know the love. 